I want to welcome you back into Iggy Sports Talk. I am your host, Jiggy Nizuski, your Iggy for short. And I want to thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you have not yet, make sure to subscribe on whatever audio platform that you're listening to and also on YouTube so you get updated whenever a podcast episode is posted. But I have a very exciting and special interview planned with the founder and CEO of Eisman Digital and the author of of the evolution of sports social media, Aaron Eisman. He's one of the smartest minds in sports social media up to this date, and he's worked for the NFL, Turner Sports, and Bleacher Report. And in this conversation, Aaron and I talk a little bit about some of the ups and downs of working in sports social media, and then Aaron also explains a little bit of some of the best ways of how to get a job and into sports social media. Let's listen to Aaron and I's conversation now. I always like to start off these interviews sort of talking about the favorite moments of 2022. Uh, and so what was one of those moments for you? You know, I think my favorite moment and been first since he, you know, one of the reasons I moved back to Los Angeles after, um, after being in New York city for a couple of years was to watch my nephew grow up. And cool. um, it's, it's my, my sister, my oldest sister's, uh, first child uh ethan is his name and so you know i think ultimately it's i don't know if it's necessarily a moment but obviously watching his his birthday on march 1st this year was great um we we had some fun stuff we we did with him wearing a, a number two and him having like a cake where he can smash it and have fun so that was cool and just watching him grow up uh throughout the year seeing him sit, learn new words putting sentences together he knows more about construction trucks than i do so seeing him like <laughs> call out a tractor or a or like a backhoe loader i think it's one of them what's they're called right. For him, he can call it out before i can and it's impressive so just seeing him grow and develop um it's pretty it's pretty great to see that's pretty cool and uh yeah it must have been really cool like you said hearing the first few words um and you know really being able to play with them and everything like that i remember when i was younger i was a big bob the builder fan and uh i always find it interesting how you know young younger boys are, are so interested in trucks and like that that's the thing that they usually gravitate to yeah he's very much cars and trucks has been his go-to he does not he's not in that building mode yet where he's like building legos or building blocks or anything like that he was always i think lately the last year two years it's, you know since he's been developing it's it's always been about you know knowing what a truck is knowing what type of um, thanks to the show called Blippy, actually, he's learned like the different types of trucks and tractors and and cars and all this stuff because you know Blippy in real life actually shows you what what the actual vehicle is and he has such a photographic memory, I guess, at two and a half years old that he wow. can picture when someone says something on TV, he can picture it in real life and see it and say what the what the actual term is. So yeah, trucks and cars are his go-to so far. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. Wow, you got a, you got a really smart nephew there. You know, maybe maybe, maybe we'll see him so, doing something incredible in sports and using that photographic memory to his advantage. Uh, but over the over this past year, uh, you've written a book called "The Evolution of Sports Social Media," sort of explaining some of your experiences within the industry. Also, getting some great interviews from other people in high parts of like ESPN. Fox Sports, and also a few other athletes as well. And so um, explain a little bit to what readers can learn in your new book. You know, I think I, I, I've spent 
the last eight years in sports social media, I, I would say throughout writing this book, I think I had about that imposter syndrome where you think you're not the right guy to write this book or right person to write this book. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I, what I realized over a period of time of interviewing people, like people, um, you know, I, I've interviewed people like Lee Steinberg, Dave Meltzer, and Hunter Pence, World Series champion, JaVale McGee, and all these big name people. And I just, you know, shoot my shot and just, you know, asked the hundreds of people they wanted to be in the book and if they wanted to be interviewed. And a lot of them that I didn't think would say yes, did say yes. And I got some great interviews. And so along the way, you'll learn about the birth of social media at ESPN. I talked to the people who started it there um, in 2010 to 2012. Then you will talk about Bleach Report. You'll learn about Bleach Report, which I was a little bit a part of, but it was mainly the people around me that were creating this viral content that mm-hmm. took them from a you know a four-person team to a 25-person team within the matter of six, seven months. And so you learn about how they changed the game. You learn about Omar Raju, who I got to interview in my book, who's the founder of House of Highlights and you know now runs sports so sports centers, TikTok, Instagram, and other pages for them. So he's got a great story about how he you know started House Highlights of almost at 40 million followers or it's just over 40 million followers across all channels he started that at zero followers he started that um just posting left and right of different things that he found was cool and and now it's you know it is what it is today it's pretty incredible it's its own machine in, in bleach report um and then finally yeah the athlete stories monetization of athlete social media where athlete social media kind of took off for hunter pence you know went from taboo to something that people really relied on him about and were like this is cool that he's all he's big into social media um and you know things about the nba bubble and all sorts of stuff but um it's it's a very cool book that really has a lot of good stories in it a lot of good themes in it and you'll just take away a lot of uh interesting notes if you want to get into the field yeah it's amazing and it's become such a subject where you know kids my age are really wanting to get into social media within sports and it's it's really sort of been a huge thing over my life but especially over the last 10 years to really help fans get a deeper understanding of their favorite players their favorite teams and you know that's something that i've really learned about myself is a huge passion of mine is you know creating that content uh you know we talked about before this we both are really interested in the deeper parts of sports and i i think that's huge uh, especially in, in a marketing purpose to get people to connect with those fans and teams much closer. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, LeBron said it best with more than an athlete. I think a lot of these athletes want to have their own voice and want to have a place because like Hunter Pence, you'll be reading the book a little bit, um, talked about how the only way you get your voice out, you know, 10 years ago was through the media and the media can misconstrue what you say. They can jumble your words a little bit here and there. And you had no way of saying this, this author, this author, this journalist said something right or wrong about you. So social media now gives you a little bit of the line that says, I can go back at it, a writer and say, you misquoted me or you, um, you didn't play the storyline that I, I would have loved to see out of this article. And so it gives them more of a voice of saying, hey, I can be out there. I can be kind of my own media outlet, so to speak. Some of these guys are. And I could tell my story. And I think athletes have lost that for a long, long time. And now they finally can get, get back in the spotlight and showcase themselves on social media. Doesn't matter if they're the best performing player on the field or on the court or on the, you know, on the ice, but it's, but it changes because they have the opportunity to 
showcase their creative skills, their knowledge, and their opinions on social media these days. Yeah, I completely agree. I, anytime you say Hunter Pence, I always think about his, his really weird uh, <laughs> stance, but it's, it's become such a huge thing, especially in baseball. Uh, you know, we saw it for the past few years with Trevor Bauer really trying to implement that uh, player marketing type of uh, mindset within the sport, because, you know, a lot of these other leagues like the NBA, the NFL, they do a really good job of marketing their players, but specifically with the MLB, we've seen a lot more players show their personality on social media. Yeah. You know, a guy like Marcus Strawman, we saw him this past week talk about how the Mets don't want me. And he went out there and let them know. And kind of like you said, with some players, uh, you know, the media taking their words out of context or, you know, positioning things in a different way, they're able to actually speak out. And it must have been really interesting within your interviews, really hearing about those stories of how players did it. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of these players that I talked to over a period of time and, you know, I talked about almost 10 of them uh, from different leagues and they all kind of had the same sentiment sentiment where it's kind of like I have social media. I have my own camera. I have my own voice. I can tweet whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Maybe sometimes they'll get fined over something here or there. But for the most part, like Marcus, you know, was saying his feelings about the Mets and the Mets might have gotten pissed off at him about it. But it's his account. It's his voice. He can do what he wants. And whether they like it or they don't like it, it's just you know, his, his ability to do it. And, you know, you talk about Trevor Bauer, for example, like the momentum, uh, you know, uh, company he created, the media company, I think was just, it's a good example of people, of players showing that they can be creative. They can show their own side of the story. They can mm -hmm. be uh, very fundamental in like how content is created because I think MLB to all of them is, is lacking behind, you know, basketball and football specifically because these athletes, um, you know, it's kind of like keep the locker room talk in the locker room. Can't talk about this or that. Can't talk about the front office. Can't talk about, the, you know, whatever it may be, because the other guys will get this, this kind of locker room talk was, you know, expressed on it in baseball specifically, but for basketball and football, it's like the leagues are saying, go have fun with it. Like go right. do what you want, like post what you want, but baseball, there's a little bit of a disparity. And I think I noticed that a little bit in the interviews I did. That's interesting. And yeah, we, we, we've seen it become um, very apparent for players to use their personality and, and also use it in a way to sort of um, express different things, um, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's mental health and sports, whether it's just different organizations that they're a part of just to help uh, the greater good and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, you also talked about as well that um, your dad influenced you to um, want to write this book. And he's the one that actually helped you fall in love with sports. And I, I also wanted to say, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad um, oh, getting yeah. cancer recently. And I, I hope, I hope the chemotherapy and everything's going good so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of, you know, interesting part, like I'll, I'll go from, you know, where, where my dad, I think a big part of my dad and my brother and I, um, you know, we, we all got along through sports. We watched it, we played it, we talked about it, we read about it, whatever it was, we were all, you know, that was my upbringing. We would go, you know, listen to Vin Scully um, and go to Dodgers games 
five to ten times a year. Mm-hmm. We would go to Clippers games, which my brother got me into a little bit uh, when they were really, really bad, you know, or they've been <laughs> bad for a long time. But when they're really bad, um, Elton Brand, Corey Maggette, those days were, were fun to watch, but they were also losing a lot. But like those days and the Rose Bowl games, I mean, my dad was a Penn State. Uh, I was always been a Penn State fan. He went there. Um, so going to Rose Bowl games versus USC, um, I think That's we've cool. seen two of them uh, in the last 10 years. And so just those moments that we've had of bonding over sports always made me want to get into sports. I, mm-hmm. I, I say in the book is like a funny quote, but I, I say, you know, instead, like I, I was hoping that I would be, you know, the Jewish Larry Bird one day, but I turned into the mensch on the bench. You know, because I wasn't playing that often, but I but I would have loved to have played more. I just wasn't athletically talented enough to play in the collegiate NFL play basketball levels, professional leagues. But um, I want to stay involved in sports to do something. And eventually I got into sports social media and it's been a career for me the last eight years. But, yeah, my dad, um, you know, uh, so because of our love of sports, watching him go through cancer, esophageal cancer from June till September one, where he had the surgery, a big surgery to, you know, fix his insides literally um, to where now he's cancer free. He's doing well. He's walking really, you know, fine again, like he used to, he's, uh, you know, going to join me in the golf course next year at some point. So, um, you know, he's, he's really doing well now. And it's just, it was, it was, you know, tough to see, you know, one of your parents and role models go through chemotherapy and radiation and have a lot of down days, but, um, you know, to see him back where he, he was before cancer is uh, really a sight for sore eyes. So it's really great to see him, um, you know, get to where he back to where he was. And so it's, uh, we're all here to support him and love him and give him uh, all the attention he needs sometimes, but um, he's, he's a great person and he's the reason why I love sports so much. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, we always think back, especially as big sports fans, who are the people that introduced us to, you know, these teams uh, in in this love and passion of sports. And um, I'm so happy to hear that he's cancer free now, because like you said, go seeing uh, somebody that you love, one of your role models go through that is, is definitely hard to see. But uh, you, you mentioned as well, you know, I was somebody who wasn't very um, wasn't as good athletically as I could have been to be able to play in college or to go on professionally. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I got within sports in a different aspect and now talking about it. But uh, for anyone who is like either my age or even a little bit older than me, who who's really interested in sports and getting in to social media, um, how should they get started? You know, you got to find ways to break into the industry, whether you're younger and you're just like, I want to blog about it. I want to tweet about it. I want to have a voice and opinion about it. Um, mm-hmm. Start somewhere. You know, you don't have to always. I mean, I started my first sports social media job was at Turner Sports and this big behemoth of a media company with NBA on TNT, NBA TV, March Madness, all this stuff. And I, and I didn't think I would start there, you know, growing up or anything, because I didn't think social media was a career at all um, now to where it is. But I would say just start to build up a voice and opinion, knowledge of content itself. I, I write in the book, Content is King. So if you can not understand what content works, what doesn't work, um, what, you know, and I've talked to you about in the past, like what, how to connect with the audience. Right. And that's the great, the, you know, the right type of content. And so that's, you know, when I was at Bleach Report, it was like testing out user generated content from the fans. Mm-hmm. It was testing original content. It was testing out memes, 
testing out uh, branded content, paid content. So um, when you first understand your voice, I think that's very important uh, to understand voice of an organization, voice of, of someone's self, how to get involved in the conversation, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or any other platform. And then um, you know, understanding content and why content is so important and why every time you post it needs to be intentional, the way I connect to an audience through my content. And so, yeah, I would say over time you learn that through, you know, good and bad mistakes and whatnot. But, um, you know, you also develop a sense of knowledge to where you want to take a job in a certain direction because of, you know, because of the way you, you think of that, how that content connects to the audience. And you're about posting to the audience um, and building a connection with them because right. that's, as a social media manager, that's your, your role. Um, you're not just posting because you like this piece of content. You're posting because you think the audience will like this and their followers will like it. And it'll increase the following or do other KPIs that your key performance indicators that your uh, organization wants. So yeah, that's um, those are some definitely the, the the big things I worry about is voice content. But there's a lot of other things I talk about in the book that you'll see social media is more than just what am I posting today. It's a lot of other things involved that help you become successful in the industry. Exactly. And we always hear about how can the audience engage in your content? And like, that's something that I always try to do. If, if I ask either like a sports question or if I bring up a subject about a team or a player, uh, I always try and ask the opinion of the audience because people love to let you know what their opinion is. And especially in the comment section, um, I always find it kind of cool when, you know, you see people debating back and forth and you're like, well, I, I did my job. You know, they're actually engaging in my content. Uh, but it, it was interesting looking at sort of like your journey to Turner Sports, because some people may think, ah, you know, being able to work in sports, especially in social media, can't be that hard. I'll, I'll just apply to ESPN. I'll apply to all these big companies. Yeah. But you're somebody that was a part of the radio station, the newspaper at your university. You also had internships with the uh, Inland Sixers or 66ers, as well as uh, the Ski Channel, the American Junior yeah. Golf Association. And so with everything that you got involved with, is that one of the biggest advice that you would give to people? Just get involved with everything that you can. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I, I think high schoolers these days, maybe middle schoolers have a better understanding of how to get involved in sports before they even get there to, to where, where it is in college and internships and professional, you know, being a professional in this world. Um, it's for me, it was when I, I, I would always pick up the LA Times growing up. And from like the age of 13, 14, I'd pick up the LA Times. I read Sports Illustrated for Kids or Sports Illustrated or ESPN the magazine. And I love sports writing. I grew up just loving sports writing. And so that's helped me to this day because it, you know, you need to be somewhat of a good writer to be in social media. You can't just tweet out a bunch of fire emojis and <laughs> mind it, mind blowing emojis and think you're gonna get away with it over time. You gotta know how to write to the audience and have a voice and be opinionated, but be, you know, really, um, you know, fun and have, and have just be entertaining at the end of the day. So, um, you know, I would say just try to get involved, you know, it's going to be sports or non-sports, but you want to, you want to get experience at the end of the day, you want to experience. It doesn't matter if I went to the ski channel, I never skied in my life, which is true. Um, or, uh, went to American junior golf association and, never knew anything about public relations, but I wanted to learn public relations because I thought it's an internship. It's a good experience. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even do social media at any of these jobs really, because it wasn't, um, you know, the go-to thing to do is I was learning how to be a good writer. 
And learning to be a good writer helped me to this day because it helps me understand AP style, grammar, punctuation, you know, how to use certain words versus other words in, in your lingo. And, um, you know, I think that's where I really grew myself is the more experience I had, the more, and I, I write about, about, the, about this in the book, but having what I call a sponge mentality, the ability to learn from the people around you and just right. soak in that knowledge. That's what's helped me to where I am today because I constantly have grown myself personally and professionally so that I can be the best person I can be each day and just keep getting better over time. So that's what, um, you know, has helped me is the more experienced internships, um, you know, things I've done on the side with my businesses and stuff that I've been involved with and other people I've worked for has all helped me lead me to this point to where I you know, enjoy where I am today because of that experience that I had. That makes sense. And, you know, I, I've heard that as well, you know, always be a sponge, always um, be curious, ask people questions. Why are you doing this? Why do you do it like yeah. this? And um, it's always interesting to hear, obviously, why people do the way, do things the way that they do, but, you know, they're doing it for a reason. And so maybe you can learn something from that, but you've, you've worked for some pretty premier sports companies, such as Turner sports, like you mentioned, Bleacher Report in the NFL. And so I, I wanted to hear uh, what was one of the most exciting and rewarding times for all those jobs. You can pick one of the jobs or, or one thing from each thing. And then also the most stressful time um, working for one of those jobs. You know, exciting times is, um, you know, like when you see one of your first couple of viral, viral posts happen in front of your eyes, like something you posted that goes off. I mean, I, I remember, always remember, I write about this in the book, is that I was on July 4th, uh, I forgot maybe 2017 or 2018 when no probably 2017 when Kevin Durant said he's going to the Warriors and I was sitting in the, in the office there was this is a bleach report there was maybe 10 people in the whole office out of 300 people and I'm watching the news I watched this Players Tribune article happen and it doesn't say on Twitter like where he's going or what's happening it says like click through to read the article and and I was just like thinking like this is a little odd. So I just, I read the article real quickly. I grabbed a photo of, of Kevin Durant and I said, he's going to the Warriors. And, and it was just simple tweet, but it, it took off, went viral. And we were the first media outlet to get out that news other than the players should be saying, read my article. Um, so, you know, just doing small things like that was cool. Um, you know, I worked my first chapter of the book. I talk about how I worked at um, NBA on TNT, NBA TV and, working a Christmas shift, you never know what could happen. And there was this moment where Kenny pushes Shaq into the Christmas tree. And I very simply just write down goes Shaq and it, it with exclamation mark. And that vi video, you know, this is in 2014 ends up doing like 25 to 30 million views. Wow. Um, just that one post itself on Facebook and Twitter. I don't even have the Instagram numbers, but it probably did well there too. But um, yeah, like those type of viral posts is great. And then the negative is you get trolls. You get people that hate on your stuff all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. I misspelled Muggsy Bogues' name wrong. And I probably, you know, on, on his birthday, actually, happy birthday, Muggsy Bogues. And I put either two G's in the Muggsy or two G's in the Bogues part. Um, I forgot what it was. But um, it made me learn a lesson that sometimes you just got to Google his name copy it and paste it into the tweet instead just be very simple about it but you know the fact that it was up for 10 minutes or something the tweet had a bunch of screenshots and retweets and replies to us saying you spelled his name wrong so you know there's negative stuff 
that happens all the time when I've, I've worked past shifts and you, they're, they're all learning lessons. You know, you, you uh, learn that things could be, you know, you could do some great things and you can have that, that reward from viral posts and the, the tap on your back from your fellow professionals around you. But you can also have moments where you're just like, I just screwed up and I don't know how to fix this. And um, you got to get over and have tough skin and thick skin. And, and uh, that's what I've learned, you know, to be in this position where you're tweeting and posting to thousands, if not millions of people, you got to really understand there's risk and reward with the job, but um, you're here to have fun. You're here to post, you're here to learn and develop your skills. And if you don't do that, then you're not growing as a person and a professional in this industry. Yeah, I completely agree. And, that, and that's something that is always tough for people. E- even if you're not working in sports, just dealing with social media is dealing with those trolls. And I, th- I think screenshots is, is something that can um, get people back in so many different ways. We see a lot of reporters or writers, if they, they tweet out a thing and it maybe is the wrong team. I've seen that happen once or twice. And then we see the screenshots in their actual tweet. Uh, and they're like, we caught you here, but it's always interesting seeing, um, you know, how people like yourself sort of deal with it and, and deal with the, some of the mental health struggles of um, be, working in social media within sports. And it's always something where anytime you hear about that type of stuff, you always hear sort of about the burnout, about how you always got to be on your phone. You always got to be on your toes, ready to post uh, whatever report, whatever update. And so what has your experience been like with that? And how have you been able to avoid a burnout? Yeah, you know, I think over time, I think you need those like mental health breaks over time where you're unplugged from your phone. You go to some, you know, you go to, you do what makes you happy. I mean, for me, I go to, I love traveling. I love going to a a cool golf course and just playing and not look at my phone for four hours, you know? And I think that's tough to do these days because people are so glued to their phone that they don't, you know, step outside of the job sometimes and just realize I'm off. I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. I'm going to play some golf, go to go travel, going to go look at it, go to a museum or a movie or something. And we're so glued to our phones that you're just constantly in this like, what's happening next kind of mode or what, what am I going to miss kind of mode? And I think that's, you know, I don't have exact specific instances over time, but there was definitely moments where I, I felt like that, that reason of, you know, I screwed up here or I'm posting thousands of times this week or the, the this month. Um, and you're just wondering like, eh, you know, what am I doing this for? Am I doing this for a paycheck? Am I doing this for my own pride, my own ego that wants to get an ego boost every time I go viral? Mm-hmm. What am I actually doing this for? And why do I love what I do in sports, um, specifically in sports, social media? And it, for some people, it, it, it does burn them out. I mean, I, I talked to a good story in the book is I talked to Julie Fayer, who is the Golden State Warriors social media manager for numerous years throughout the, the, the championship titles. And she get these death threats, DMs, horrible stuff against her because she's a woman working in sports. And you can only imagine the, the stuff she, you'll, you'll see in the book. Obviously, I want people to buy the book on Amazon, but you'll see in the book these DMs she's got, and it's just horrible. And it, and it eventually burned her out from sports social media to the point where she's just like, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to work in sports social media again because right. of all the, the hate and the trolls and the, the negative DMs she got. Um, you know, it was really affecting our mental health. And so we all need to be cognizant the 
the 12 year old troll to the 50 year old troll that's just sitting in the in the room that there's actual people behind this writing this week it's not an intern it right. could be a 25 to 35 year old that's just doing their job and they have to report the news they have to post um about the team and doesn't matter if the team is sucking or or amazing there's still a person behind these these tweets and behind the 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 twitter fingers as they would say so you know, you've got to always be cognizant of that as a fan, as a person that is, you know, hating on your team because they're not playing well or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think people got to realize that, like, there's, you know, there's uh, always a human behind this and they have feelings, too, just like you and me. And, uh, you know, we've got to be aware that um, that, you know, they, they can they can get down and depressed and ruin their mental health because of something you say, because they because we could see it all ourselves. So we don't right. just there's not right. moderation on these hate tweets or hate DMs. And it just happens. And we and we got to be aware there's always a person behind those posting it. Yeah, I think that's a huge reminder. And that's something that a lot of people forget. And, you know, they're behind their keyboards. They're behind their screen. You can't you can't see me. There's nothing that you can do. So. I, I think that's a huge okay. reminder and something that everybody needs to remember. And um, this is something that has frustrated me ever since I started, um, you know, working in sports or being involved in the sports industry is the lack of respect for women in sports. It really frustrates mm -hmm. me. It's, it's something that I think it's amazing, the equality and all the opportunities that we've seen over the past year for women in sports, but the lack of respect, especially on social media is quite honestly disgusting. And that's yeah. something where throughout my voice, whether it's through this podcast, whether it's through um, my reporting, I, I want to preach um, the equality of women in sports, as well as other ethnicities, other races, and as well as talk about mental health in sports. But yeah. I, I, th I think it's, I think it's um, our job as men to talk about that type of stuff, to make it normalized. And I've, I've had a lot of people tell me, well, you can't change anything about the equality of women in sports because you're a male. Well, watch me. I'm going to talk about it. And the thing that we lack is that we don't talk about it. We ignore it. We act like it's not an mm -hmm. issue. And especially with mental health too, we got to talk about it. We need to make people feel yeah. like there isn't a stigma around it, that it's okay to not be okay. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a huge thing, especially with with working in social media and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned as well um, before this interview that you unfortunately had an instance where uh, you were laid off of Bleacher Report. And I can mm -hmm. I can only imagine what sort of mental struggles that um, that brought you through, because uh, through covid, you know, we saw a lot of that happened to to a lot of people. And it actually, unfortunately, happened to my mom and um just the whole feeling of not feeling good enough. And, you know, I did so much stuff for this company and it, them just like laying me off feels like that they don't even care about me. So um, what did you kind of go through uh, dur yeah. during that time and how were you able to overcome it? Yeah. You know, to give you a little bit of backstory, I, I got to bleach report team. The social media team was about four people. I was one of four. Um, and it was just one of those moments where, you know, I was like, this is a cool company. We're going to have fun. We're going to grow it. And over the next two and a half years while I was there, we grew social media. We became like the disruptors in the industry. 
of sports media in terms of social media. I mean, we were hitting numbers. We were hitting Justin Bieber numbers over a period of time, which is astronomical. Um, and so I love that comparison. Cool see, yeah, it was cool to see us grow because we were we weren't just hitting sports media. We weren't just beating ESPN every week and every month. We were beating like we were getting close to beating Justin Bieber or, or LeBron James or other people in the industry. Um, so to go from that and I, you know. If you ask anyone from Bleach Report, they'll know who Beanie was because that's that was my nickname there. Um, and there's a little backstory behind that and get to another time. But like, you know, because I was like, you know, beloved by a lot of people in the New York office, it was just crazy to see that, you know, one day I thought I was coming in for a promotion. Next thing you know, I'm going upstairs and being being laid off. And you've gotten this man- mindset after leaving the building and, you know, your whole you know, life being changed in that moment, you're getting this head of like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Why did this person get the job over me or did they stay there? Um, you just constantly are like mentally struggling with this, this thing that just happened to you that just changed your world. And you're wondering like, what do I do next? And what happens? And, you know, the company will put you through uh, like, you know, a, a therapist and say, like, don't worry, we'll give you your severance. We're here to help you. But you, you realize, like, it takes you a while to realize this is a business decision they made. This is just not personal. They didn't just take me out because they just felt like, you know, this is the time to take him out. It was a major layoff through the company, and I was one of them. And, you know, the therapists and stuff, was, you know, had to keep reassuring me. It's, like, not my fault, not something I did wrong. I did my job constantly. I never got, like, you did bad here or there from them, any of those right one-on-one stuff so you're wondering like was it me was it me was it me uh, and eventually you got to come to that realization it wasn't me it was just some decision that some higher up made and it happens it's it's business and i think you know i talked to you about this a little bit but one of the things that got me through this was this song called glorious by macklemore and in the he has two lines in the in the in the song that really has like helped me the, through that time in 2018 he said i made it through the darkest part of the night and now I see the sunrise. So what you kind of get with that lyric is you understand we all go through dark times and struggles and things, mm-hmm. but it's how you recover and come out on the other side that makes you the person you are today and which gives you the learning lesson. The other one says, uh, I heard you die twice, once when they bury you in the grave, another time when someone doesn't mention your name and when someone stops mentioning your name. So it's kind of this part of legacy. And so the, the two things about like going through struggles and having a legacy in the long run is what kept me going through the day after day of the struggle of, you know, this sucks. This I don't have. I'm I'm fun. I'm fun employed, as some people would say, but I didn't want to be fun employed. I just wanted to have do my normal job that I do every day. But it happened, and it made me realize like I gotta move back to LA and move back to home and see my nephew grow up and all this stuff that you know deep things that um, I wanted to see happen, and you know, so things, people will help you get through things, you know, your family, your support system, your friends, your, your grandma and grandpa, your, whoever it may be, will be there around you to support you. Someone is always, can always be there to support you through struggling times. And when you find that support system, they lift you up. And when they go through tough times, you can lift them up. And so this is the way, you know, I'm glad that I have a great family behind me to, you know, realize, you know, it's, it's not you. They just made a decision that, you know, you know, it, it's happened, but we're going to help support you and get you through this and get you over the hump and you'll come out better at the, in, in the other side of it. So 
I appreciate all this stuff that happened, some therapy, some my family, some Macklemore song, um, and all got me to where I'm today, which is just turn the page, move on, get over the struggles that you had and realize there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. So something that I've heard most recently is you can't go through a breakthrough without going through a breakdown. And, you know, th those tough times that, you know, we go through, we don't understand why and we're not supposed to understand why, because we're going to figure that out later on after we learn from it. And I think the biggest thing, like you said, is having that awareness of what can I learn from this situation. And like you said, it's not about, um, what happened is about how you bounce back. And I, th I think that's a huge thing. And anytime you and I talk, we always preach the same exact quote. And this is something that I, um, you know, live by is everything happens for a reason. And we go through different things to help us prepare for the future. And I, I think that's so tough sometimes for um, a lot of people to remember. And also just like, what am I grateful for? You know, I have a shelter over me. I, I, I have, yeah. I have a, I have a car, even, even, even if I may have lost my job, you know, I had a job and there's some people who don't have a job. And, um, like you said as well, the support system is huge and being able to have those people around you that are able to help lift you up, um, I think is one of the most important things. Yeah, you know, I think everyone needs that support system and everyone needs someone to call when they're down and someone, you know, to talk to. I, you know, I, I, you know, as soon as the layoff happened, I called my mom and dad and, and they were at work, but I called my sister and she picked up and just listened to me talk and talk and talk. And so when you have somebody around you that can support you through the good times and the bad times and the, you know, and all kinds of times you go through in your life, then that really makes you feel, yeah, I'm, I am privileged. I'm privileged mm -hmm. and happy to have the people around me that can do things for me that, um, you know, can really back me up when I'm, you know, when I'm down and lift me up when I need to be lift up. And so I'm glad to have people around me and we grow up in a world, especially in the United States that people don't, people take for granted what they, what they have in their world, in their life, a roof over their heads, a car to drive, food on the table. Um, these things that are necessary to us, but we take them for granted. And so when you can get over that fact of I'm, I'm happy to live the life I can live because the people around me and my family helped raise me this way, then you can be, you could take more things for granted in life and really understand that, um, you know, we, we grew up in a certain way that we can be, um, you know, better and we can help others and repair the world because we grew up with such a, a nice upbringing at times. So why can't we do more for others around us? Couldn't agree more. And uh, what you said before as well with the legacy, I think is a huge thing as well. That's something that I've really tried to express to people around me um, is what are people going to rem remember you for when they're at your funeral? Even though it may sound deep, it's the reality. It's going to happen. Um, I, I've unfortunately had to um, be a part of a few funerals. And I, I've thought about that. What are people going to think of me um, when I'm on my deathbed? I, I think that's a very real question that you need to ask yourself. And it helps you also motivate it also helps motivate you to be a better person and work hard every single day. So then you're proud of um, what the legacy that, that you left. Um, but one question that I like to ask all my guests at the end of the interview is uh, if there's any advice that you give to your younger self, what would it be? You know, I think for my younger self, it would kind of, you know, be what I, we just talked about a little bit is you're going to go through hard times, but there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And there's always people that are going to support you to help you find that light. Mm -hmm. And so if you have, 
you know, if you realize that you're going to go through layoffs, you're going to go through deaths, you're going to go through um, struggles, you're going to go through maybe, you know, bankruptcy or lot, you know, car accidents or whatever it have be, you know, because no, no one has a perfect life. Uh, you've got to learn that there's always lessons to take from all these things that happen to you. And they're going to go through hard times over and over and it, it happens. You're going to go through great times, but you always can have a, a learning lesson through anything that you go through because, you know, life, you know, is worth living to the full extent of what it is. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have a layoff any other way. I wouldn't have a, you know, me moving around city to city, finding new jobs any other way, because it taught me to be the person I am today. And I'm glad that I've gone through the ups and downs because I've come out on the better side because of it. And I've learned a lot along the way. I love it. I think that's great advice for anybody. And uh, for anyone that wants to learn more about yourself, sort of what you're doing at Green Park Sports and also um, read your book, The Evolution of Sports Social Media. Where can they find all that? Yeah, you know, reach out to me. I think actually LinkedIn, if I give any tips to anyone, I think LinkedIn is one of the most underrated platforms uh, today. I've connected with so many people through LinkedIn to get them into this book. Um, So contact me on LinkedIn, Aaron Eisman, E-I-S-M-A-N. Um, contact me through LinkedIn, message me, you know, add me as a, as, as a connection. I'm happy to talk to whoever, whether you're a high schooler or you're in the middle of your career and you don't know what you want to do next. Um, I'm happy to talk to you and give you, give us some, you know, some minutes of my time just to pass things on. So find me on LinkedIn, find me on Twitter, A Siegel Eisman, S-I-E-G-A-L-E-I-S-M-A-N. I'm sure you're going to link all this. And then finally, uh, find me on Amazon. Uh, My book is on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and a couple other book websites. And all you have to do is search the evolution of sports social media or just sports social media and Amazon. And I'm one of the top three things that pops up. So um, find me there. You know, buy the book, send it to me. I'll sign it for you. I'll give you some words of wisdom. And I appreciate anyone supporting myself, the book, or anything else because the so part of the book proceeds go to Cancer Foundation um, in, in my dad's na- name and honor. And so if I can do anything in this world is to help give back, to help, you know, other people that go through struggling times that they can have a, I can be a shoulder to cry on. And I can also, you know, just, you know, help repair the world however it needs to be so if it needs to be selling some books to help a cancer foundation that's what i'm going to do and you know we'll we'll see where things go with the book we'll see things go in the future but i'm happy to uh you know be on this and talk about my story a little bit more and if you want to buy the book or you want to just talk let me know yeah definitely reach out to aaron we actually got connected through linkedin i'm, I'm very grateful that we did and uh we we had a great conversation talking about my journey and he, he he gave me some great advice for social media so definitely go and reach out to him and like he said great proceeds uh go to cancer research from this book and it's definitely a great book great resource for anybody looking to go into sports and social media so definitely check it out really appreciate your time today aaron thanks for having me i appreciate it jake Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.